Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's going on, everybody? Hope you are having a wonderful week so far. Podcast time. Um, wait, before we start the podcast, please hit subscribe. We are at 150 episodes. Um, thank you to everybody that's listened. It's amazing. 150 episodes is mad to me. It's nearly, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I'm just thinking about it and not really, I'm just saying yes, makes zero sense. But yeah, thank you so much to everybody that's listened. Um, the podcast is moving in interesting situations at the moment um there may or may not be some ads that are slowly coming on we've just signed the podcast to a virgin um and we're just kind of seeing what happens with that i'm just being completely honest with you guys um there may be some ads on it already so if you don't like them then i'm sorry but the podcast has to kind of um, at some point pay for itself. Um, we've kind of started to grow a bit of a team out of the podcast now and it's starting to, um, it needs to pay for itself if I'm totally honest with you guys. Um, but yeah, it's amazing and I'm really excited to see what this year comes of the podcast with signing it to Virgin and um, let's just see, doing it for a year. If it turns out shit, we'll stop doing it and do it back to ourselves. Um, but the podcast is not changing at all. I'm still just doing it on a weekly and um, hopefully there's just going to be more more assets being made and more things for everyone to kind of get involved in. And we may, I haven't spoken about it, but we may be doing like an ad-free version as well um, on like a Patreon and stuff, maybe if if we can, if, if we've got enough time. So yeah, anyway, I'm going to stop rambling. This episode is with Quarter. Quarter is an artist from Massachusetts. Um, spent a lot of time in New York, now lives in Philly. And we couldn't really work out when she played a show with me, but she's definitely played a show with me. She's a wicked DJ and you'll hear me talk about her music, but her music's fucking amazing. Um, so if you haven't heard of her, Q-R-T-R, uh, pronounced Quarter, go check her out. Go see her live. She's she's very good. And I really enjoyed this conversation. So without further ado, Quarter. What's cooking? I don't know if I should call you your first, your actual name or or your artist you can, name, Quarter. Megan. You can call me Megan. Megan, cool. I like yeah. that. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. I've I've got a a confession to make. So I've Please known do. I've known of your music for a while, but I like haven't properly like dove in deep into your music until like the last half hour. And <laughs> like I didn't know you've done like two albums, a remix album as well, and I'm like <laughs> why do I not know this? Like like I know you played played a show with me in 
summer was it last year uh or was it 2021 I think it was before, I think it was either 20, was it 2021? Yeah, it wasn't before pandemic. Then yeah, then it must have been. Yeah, because you, yeah. It was a boat party we played. Well, we must have played, it was before. I think it might have been, yeah. Was it the New York boat party? Yeah. Fuck me. (laughs) That was 2020. I know. Time is weird. Yeah. Was it? No, no that wasn't it 2020. Been, it couldn't it have been. had to be 2019. Yeah, it was. That's crazy. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> and we yeah. only met like this year, like yeah. properly, like, because like, I don't know if. Mm-hmm. Wait, did you? I... I'm so confused. I'm so confused right now. No, I thought I, I thought you played with me at um elsewhere. No, Rooftop. I don't think I did. Wait, wait. You did. We booked you for did elsewhere I? in rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Fuck it. Anyway, good to see you. Yeah. But I was like, <laughs> I, I was like, damn. Like she's released two albums and her like and the like the. The like, the range of the music is amazing, and I was like, "This is fucking dope," and I genuinely feel bad because <laughs> I like haven't properly given like your music enough time in my life to be like, "This is fucking dope." Apart from the last half hour, because I didn't really know. I was like, "Oh shit, I, I should mean, know all of this," but I didn't. Yeah, I, didn't. I feel like right now in my current state i am dance music's best kept secret and we're trying to change that <laughs> well let's fucking change it like if you're listening to this podcast now now go just like stop listening to the podcast and just go is um i think the thing that i see from the outside looking in and also now listening to your music is like it's not about what i thought it was about and it's not and and i like that's really like I'm just being brutally honest with myself. It's like, yeah, it's very easy in this day and age to to like judge people. Well, it's always been easy to judge people, right? And kind of judge yeah. what, judge where people's careers are going, especially in the music industry. And like I thought you were literally like brand new on the scene, like just like fresh, like coming out with some new stuff. And it's just completely wrong of me to presume that because I'm totally wrong. You've done, you've actually done way more than most people. You've released two albums. I've not even released an album. Like it's fucking amazing. Um, so yeah, I apologize for that. Big no, time. it's okay. To be fair, so I also did some research on you to like. So I I felt like I learned a lot about you. I didn't realize you'd been DJing for so long. Yeah, for like ever. Since a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm an old man now. So I mean, so no, I mean, I think that that is something that is interesting as you like get into the industry and get to know mm. other artists is realizing just how long a lot of us have been doing it. How long it have you been like doing it? This project I started in twenty fifteen. Oh wow. So you've been putting the time in. Yeah. And I, it started, you know, I, um, 
I started producing and DJing around the same time for this project. Mm. I used to produce for fun. Yeah. Um, never, ever thought it would be a career. Yeah. Entirely a, a hobby and yeah. just a fun thing. Um, but then I started this project in 2015 and I was promoting parties in New York mm. and um, I had a full-time job in film and TV. I went to film school. Oh, cool. So I would just use the money that I had yeah. to pay like local DJs that I really liked mm. to, I just want to throw some fun parties and I DJ and whatever. And, yeah. um, and then it became a thing. It was never supposed to be a thing. Yeah, it was yeah. never supposed to be like a career. It was always just a fun. How amazing is that though? No, I know. It's incredible. It's like this life is something that everyone, not everyone dreams of, but like when you make music and when you DJ and you're kind of in the scene, it's like, if only I could do that as a full-time career. Like if only. Yeah. And it's like always well, like fingertips away. Like it's always so close because you're like going to the parties, you're throwing the parties, you're doing all of it, but like you're still not there. And then it happens. No, exactly. I mean, to be fair, it what it didn't feel like a feasible career until this until this last year. Really? Yeah. And so it's funny that you're like, oh, it felt like you were fresh to the scene in a way I am. Yeah. Cause I'm I'm fresh to it being my full time job. Totally. You know what I mean? So like in that way, like, yeah, I feel kind of brand new and I'm finally like meeting all these people that I used to like be dancing at their shows yeah, and yeah. parties, you know? Yeah. It's really strange because I guess you're right. It is like you might've been producing and doing all of that for for a, a long time, but until, until you have like your first release or until you have something to like actually talk about, it's like, People don't give a fuck at the end of the day until, yeah. until that is. Did you grow up in New York? Uh, no, I grew up in Massachusetts. And okay. then um, I moved to New York when I was 18 for film yeah. school. I went to NYU. So Sick. Yeah. What's, and then I was it? there for a while. I actually recently moved to Philadelphia. Oh, are you back in, are you in Philly now? Uh, yeah, this is my studio in Philly. And um, I love it yeah. a lot. It's a vibe. Uh, yeah, it's really sick over here. I actually went to, um, I never thought I would live in Philly. It was never something on my mind. Yeah, I'd played a couple shows here, like small parties, but nothing, I don't know. But I went to um, a music festival this past September mm -hmm. that Dave P threw. It was called Making Time. Yeah. And it was like Bicep, Fortet, Avalon yeah. Emerson, like, like a lot of people that I really admire. And mm. so I drove, I went by myself. I drove from New York and went to the festival for two days and had the most amazing time. Wow. Just like solo, the most amazing time. And I hadn't done that like a solo festival since maybe 2016. Yeah. And, um, so I, I recently went through a breakup. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I need to find a new spot. And New York is just, unless you're living with roommates, it's so expensive mm. uh, to the point that it's just like, I'm not even playing in New York anymore yeah. because I'm touring and you're not there. I'm just, I'm not doing the yeah. local support stuff anymore, you know? Yeah, so I was yeah. like, why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> 
And then I started looking at Philly. I was like, let me just see what's going on there. And I'm, yeah, it's been so nice. It's amazing to hear that because yeah. it, it's very similar to me with Detroit because I live, live yeah. in Detroit and in the UK, but in Detroit when I'm in America. And it was, I was in New York before Detroit and I didn't do long in New York. I only did like four or five months just because I was on tour, but I, New York's my favorite place in the world, personally. Like, it's just a beautiful place. But yeah, yeah. it's just, as as a starting artist in a full-time career in music, New York is just not the place. Mm-mm. It's stressful as fuck. It's so stressful. It's crazy. I go to the grocery store here, and I'm like, it's it, it doesn't need to be stressful to get <laughs> eggs. That's crazy. Like, like little things, you know? Yeah. I'm like, whoa, I'm so much more like calm here. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Philly's, Philly's weird. Like I, I, my first time going to Philly, I wasn't, I wasn't really a fan for like the first few times. And I think that was just because the parties sucked when I played. Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> it was a shitty venue. It was just shitty parties. And, and then like, I got a really close friend in, in philly and kind of she like made me like philadelphia a little bit more and and every time i go back i'm like yeah this is actually it's a vibe it's like it's like new york's like little sister or little brother it's just kind of, kind of <laughs> yeah. like it's like got its own thing it's got its own characters like people from philly are just fucking hilarious generally a hundred percent just like characters. people you can watch them yeah you can just watch them all day and you're like yeah this is philly it's great <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, totally. And honestly, I've been to like, well, the punk scene here is insane. Yeah. I went to a punk show, I think my first month being here and had such an incredible time. Really? Um, but even the, I feel like the dance music scene here, there, there's definitely stuff going on. And the times that I've gone out, I've always had a really good time. Mm. People are dancing. There's always like dance circles, yeah. which I love, you know, like. It's a very American thing that which I love. It? Yeah, it doesn't happen. Maybe it's like in other cultures as well, but in British culture, it's not that at all. Yeah. Like, but I love that Americans do that. It's yeah. so fun. I mean, I personally like, I understand going to a show and, and wanting to like see the artist that, even if it's a DJ, yeah, I understand yeah. like the desire to want to see them. Yeah. You might have some sort of connection to their mm. work or whatever, but it's, when it's dance music, there is something so special when people aren't concerned with that. Yeah. And they're just dancing yeah. and like looking at each other. And I, like, that's the best. I, I think, think, I think from, yeah, it's, it's like for me, the dance music culture is about escapism from like reality. Yeah. And I think with, I kind of harp on about this all the fucking time, but like social media changed that where you're, the, the music that you go and party to on weekends is so accessible. Same with spot, same with like streaming. Yeah. Like it's so accessible before, like you'd have to like, even I'm, I'm t- talking before streaming, but like after vinyl, right? Like you'd have to go on Beatport and find it. And not everybody right. knew or like track source or track it down, but like not everybody knew that like the general public didn't know that. So like, go into a club they're hearing music they've never heard before on a regular occasion and then they're trying to they're, t- they're trying to like it takes them months to find a record 
Yeah. And like even before that, it was like all on vinyl. And you're just like, people never find a record unless you hear it on a radio. There wasn't Shazam. There wasn't any of these things. So it kind of made yeah. it kind of made the scene much smaller. Like it was much more intimate and much more community focused. But it was very like the DJ is not really the like the performer. Right. He's just part of it's kind of like in hip hop, same as like hip hop culture, right? It was like the dan- the the dancing, the graffiti, the music, the MCs. Like it was a culture. Yeah. Whereas I think now it's kind of moved to a, it's still a part of a culture, but it's just different. It's very different. Oh, totally. And I mean, especially in America, just EDM and what that is. And it's like, you know, these kind of electronic music, yeah, superstar type people. <laughs> yeah. It's just different. It's, yeah. It's different. And now it's tech house. Yeah. And no, tech tech house is is now EDM. mainstream yeah. EDM in a lot of ways. And the really interesting thing is the the techno scene at the moment. Because mm-hmm. that's for me, like that's almost on the same route as what tech house is. It's just going way quicker. Yeah. And it's like, but it's going harder. It's like play as hard as you possibly fucking can. Mm-hmm. Just just cause. Yeah. And I might sound like an old man, but it's like I go to these, I, I've been to a few parties, I'm not going to mention them, but like really hard, like where there's been artists that I really look up to and then they start playing like 145 BPM. And I'm like, dude, like chill. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I I want to like, listen. Let's calm down. Yeah, like, we don't need this. Like, and the crowd, like, although, like, the hard techno thing is, like, fashionable now, but it's, like, most of these people don't listen to hard techno every day. They're, like, listening <laughs> yeah. to, like, country music. Like, fucking <laughs> pl- chill. <laughs> yeah, go as hard and as fast as you possibly can. It's, like, the name of the game. I mean... If I'm, I guess, in the mindset, I can be very fun. Yeah. It can be very fun. Um, Not for 10 hours. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot. I do like a progression in the night. I mean, when I used to throw parties, I feel like a big part of what I was trying to do with the parties was have uh, DJs that played different things. Yeah, I think that's super important. Curate, I think it's fun. Curating a lineup is, and and the curating the progression of a night is really hard. And I think, mm-hmm. do you think it's still as in? Do you think promoters class it as an importancy as much now? I think some still do. Yeah. I mean, at least speaking with like my experience in New York, I yeah. I do think there are a lot of people who put on shows and parties that do care about that still, but those aren't the ones that are making you a bunch of money necessarily. (laughs) Cause you know, I think, and I, I see it a lot in Philly too. I see it more in Philly than in New York, at least so far. Um, the way promoters will like, rather than booking talent Mm. and promoting the talent, they book a genre. Wow. And they're like, 
they're like disco all night. And it's not about the DJs. It's yeah. not about the promoter. It's not the, it's not the venue. It's like this disco. genre that people want or yeah. like, you know, nineties hip hop all night, yeah. like stuff like that. You know, I kind of like that to a certain extent. I mean, I think your average person who isn't like yes. in an yeah. underground scene who just wants to go out to dance yeah. will prefer seeing a flyer that tells you straight away what they're getting into. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Rather than seeing a bunch of DJs and then looking up their mixes, which I used to do and like I like doing that. Yeah. But that takes time. It also takes a a, a level of dedication to what you want to yeah. do, right? And I think to the general public just and this is massively generalizing and kind of sound awful for saying it, but it's like <laughs> a lot of the music the general public listen to that are completely out of our scene. They're just be they're just listening to music they're fed rather than actually diving into the music culture itself. Totally. I mean, streaming has made the act of listening to music a passive activity. Yeah, before it was radio, right? Yeah. And and, and now so it's like it's I, I think it's nice to not have to think about things or yeah. search for things when you especially if you're so busy if you have a nine to five and yeah. you're commuting it's like i just want to put my ear pod or like my airpods in or whatever and hear something yeah that i like and not have to think about finding it do you listen to spotify or apple music i listen to spotify okay how do you find the algorithm because i don't listen to spotify like the algorithm like i'm not one that just presses play I go yeah. and like find an artist, which is really, I actually probably should let the algorithm do its thing because <laughs> like it's way more intelligent than me. But like I go and find an, an artist and just like play an album or play yeah. their like top five or something like that. Like how do you use I, it? I do both. Yeah. So I've been, Spotify doesn't pay us well. So I hate that I'm such a stan, but. Um, <laughs> they pay us I, shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like. I've been using Spotify since probably uh, 2012, 2013. Mm. And before I was DJing, before this project was even an idea in my mind. Um, And I was really into making playlists. I've always been into making playlists. I'd make like mix CDs when I was in middle school and high school. Like Mm. that's always been something I really enjoyed. Did you used to give it to people? You're like, yeah, yeah. I love that. Oh yeah. I would, I would make mix CDs and I actually had a printer that would let me do labels on discs. Yeah. So I'd design the label. Damn. I'd like make copies. I'd give it out to people. I also used to like, I'd produce stuff in middle school and I'd like sing on it and I'd, so I'd cool. make little like albums and things and give them to my friends on the bus. That's <laughs> amazing. Like do you still have any Forcing my friends. It's sad. I, I only have, I have a couple CDs of like those mixtapes I'd make, That's but I lost most of what I produce. I have a couple songs that no one will ever listen to. Yeah. Because I won't let that happen. Why not? Because <laughs> they're awful. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. I'm singing and I'm like 11 talking about like heartbreak. Oh, as if I even... That's so cute. It's so embarrassing. Yeah, but at 11, heartbreak was the worst thing. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. Like, I yeah. remember, like, when I was that age and, like, a girlfriend splitting up with me and I literally thought I was, it my life has ended. 
Like, I remember crying. It does feel that way. Yeah. Because it's the worst thing that's happened. Like, obviously, no, it's not. Some people have life a lot harder, right? Like I've got, they like, do. but in my life, that was the worst thing that had happened to me. That like, yeah, like my girlfriend split up with me. Fuck, what am I going to do with life? I have, um, there's one song <laughs> called Single Tonight. <laughs> I love this already. And it's literally about like, it's like, I don't, I don't need anyone tonight. Like I'm good on my own. I was 11 years old. <laughs> Like, I wasn't even allowed to be hanging out with people at night. Like, what was I talking about? <laughs> of course I was single at night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what are you saying? Um, I remember once when I was a kid, I, I had my mom get me this, like, little Sony Tascam, like, tape recorder thing. Yeah. And I would sing into it and, like, whatever. And w- one day I was in the living room singing a little song of mine and my mom overheard me and I was like what did I say it was terrible I I didn't have a bad childhood I just wanted to preface this I didn't really totally fine childhood yeah but I was singing over and over hate my life hate my life wish I could take my life take my life (laughs) no I know insane I was like maybe like seven yeah And I was like, oh, it kind of rhymes, you know? Yeah. And my mom comes in and she's like, what is going on? (laughs) She's like, is is everything okay? I'm like, I'm just singing a song, mom. And she's like, but you really feel that way? And I was like, no, it just, I think it sounds good. That's so good. Stop bugging me, you know? (laughs) It's so good. When you look back at it and going, what the fuck was I thinking? Like, No, really though. Yeah. But it's weird that because it's like, where did you learn that from? I mean, probably movie and TV. Right. And, and it's like, yeah, it's amazing what what a, like we consume can influence us. Yeah. When we I don't mean, really what? know what we're, what we're actually saying. <laughs> no, at all. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel that way. No. I mean, I'm trying to think like what must have been on the radio at the time, like Nirvana. Well, it makes something. sense, like, doesn't I it? I don't know. It makes yeah. sense. <laughs> and then it clicks. And yeah. it's like, oh, I was trying to replicate, you know, the this what was on the radio at the time. Yeah, and if it's Nirvana, it's like this dude is very highly in addiction, having the worst life of, time of his life. That and I'm just a about. little child. <laughs> yeah, and you can't process it as a child, right? So you're just... <laughs> Yeah, your mum must have been like so fucking shitting herself. She's like, what is, <laughs> yeah. what is life? Yeah. Also, things back then was less accessible, right? Yeah. So like, well, I used to record music off the radio yeah. onto those tapes so that I could access it in an easy way. Yeah, that's mad, isn't it? How quick, te- how quick technology has changed. I think like people were older, younger now, if that makes sense. I think people's childhoods actually kind of get slightly taken away from them to a certain extent yeah i think so you just you are there's we know too much we have access Mm. to too much now um yeah and there's only so much i feel like there's only so much parental controls can really do as long if you're a kid that has friends Mm -hmm. like you have access to everything it doesn't matter and let's be honest the kids are always way better at like technology than the parents 
like 100%. hands down like even i see it with like i've got five niece and nephews so like my the eldest is 11 and like he comes out with things i'm like i do not even know that like how do <laughs> yeah. you even know that and he's like youtube and i'm like yeah yeah it's wild and i'm like it's crazy it's a little scary it's amazing to a certain extent i love i love it but i also think yeah. like i'm i'm also like can you like where does the where does it switch to like their childhood actually being not a childhood but maybe it's just a different childhood to what we we have well that's the thing right like yeah. i i think about this a lot i something that i actually fixate on a lot is tech and what it's doing to all of our brains okay but i like this um, i like where this is going yeah <laughs> conspiracy theories I do think, <laughs> yeah no i mean and some of it's not conspiracy I know. like That's you know thing. yeah um i do think about that like how is all of this affecting the youth right now and the thing is is like if if this is their experience they won't know that it's any different than like they don't this is normal for them. Yeah. They yeah, grew yeah. up in this. Totally. So they don't feel like they're missing out on a different kind of childhood because there is no way to know what that would have felt like. 100%. Now. You know, like this is just, they're normal. Yeah. And I, I don't- That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. But I guess also the thing is, I don't know if you can remember it when you were a kid and like your parents would be like, back in my day, like- we used to do this and we used to do that. And like, I remember like my dad would tell me he'd like him and his brother would like go up on the hills for like all day and like camp over at night and like just be like completely like wild really in, in the area. And like my parents would never have let me have done that because no. they're more aware of like crazy people that are out there. If you know what I mean? And there's, yeah. there's like, you're, we're, with technology you're more aware and there's no way like i wasn't even allowed out like after night like after dark mm -hmm. it was like you're fucking coming home so it's yeah. like it's just i guess it's how technology has just made everyone more aware of where we're at and what's going on around us which actually just makes everyone a little bit more scared oh totally and like i it's one of those things where I think it's a good and bad thing. I recently got, um, I got like a little ring doorbell yeah, yeah. camera thing. I really only got it to make sure that like my cat sitter is coming <laughs> when I'm gone. <laughs> Cause I had like a weird experience once and I just want to make sure like, what was the weird experience? Fed. <sighs> okay. So my cat has like heart problems Okay, yeah, yeah. and she needs medication twice a day, mm. which is a whole thing. Yeah. And obviously when you're touring and stuff, it's like, you want to make sure that you have somebody who can like Look do that. Yeah, yeah. And I had this one woman who was cat sitting for a few days and like, she was like, yeah, the cat's just not taking her medication. I'm like, okay, well you have to give it to her. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like the cat isn't going to tell you yes or no. Like you just kind of have to make it happen. Yeah. And she was like, oh, she was like, it's in her food bowl. Let's see if she eats it. I know my cat really well. The cat's not going to eat it. Right. it. She's not going to eat it. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, she ate it. And I'm like, God, you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And then I was like, what else is she lying about? Is she even coming to the apartment? Yeah. Like now I'm like, I don't trust this woman. <laughs> so, so I was like, I'm going to get a little like camera thing. And, and then it'll just tell me like, oh, someone, someone's at your door yeah. and I'll be like, oh, that's my cat sitter. Yeah. You know, cool. Just like whatever. So the reason why I brought that up is because the ring, the company, like they also do these like alerts to yeah. your phone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm getting these alerts from like everyone around me in Philly. Like yeah. my package got stolen. Watch out for this yeah. person. And blah, and I was just like, uh, and I turned it all off. I was like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care. I don't want to know. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to know. That's so weird. And I was like, the only alerts I want are like lost pets. <laughs> I just care about the animals. Literally, that's it. Yeah. If I see a cat, maybe I'll recognize it and I can help somebody <laughs> out. I don't give a shit if your package got stolen. Just go to the store if it keeps happening. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. yeah I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No, I feel uh, you. But I feel you on that. It's, it's just a lot. It's too much. I don't want to know everything going on mm-hmm. all the time. Have you heard of the app Citizen? Yeah, and it's scary. It's fucking scary. I don't want to know. So I downloaded it. It it, came, it originally came out in New York. It was originally a New York mm-hmm. thing. Um, And I was like, oh, cool. I'm going to get it whenever I go everywhere. And then it wasn't everywhere. And then last year, I think I downloaded it for Detroit which was literally the most like i know i i don't live in like the i don't live in a terrible neighborhood but i live very close to bad neighborhoods and mm-hmm. my neighborhood isn't that nice if you know what i mean yeah yeah um jesus christ i was just mind blown with what was going on like i like yeah. you hit like you hear regular gunshots where I, where i live like but like it's and then you see it what's going on and you're like woman stabbed a man 300 yards away and you're like what no, <laughs> like where like what house <laughs> no i know it's too much i did i did have citizen for some time in new york because sometimes it would be actually really funny and that sounds terrible <laughs> but like every now and then it would be like <laughs> It would be like raccoon, like attacks woman <laughs> on stoop or like, you know, or like, like some wild animal has yeah. like gotten into the city and that stuff killed me. I thought it was hysterical. Yeah, that's amazing. And I would like specifically go on Citizen to try to find the funny ones. And that was, but you have to dig through some really scary <laughs> shit. Some really like, dark. I don't know if it's worth yeah, it. It's definitely not. Yeah. It's yeah, it's wild that there's an app that I guess it's supposed to be a safety thing, right? It's like don't go to this area. But it's like Sure. But it's also like how what world do we like I know there's other countries that you have to be extremely careful and like we're very fortunate in living where we live. But like could living your life like being worried to like where you go is fucking it's not what I want in my life. No, and I know same. some people have yeah. to do that. I understand that, but like it it puts a dampener on everything, right? When you gotta think about safety first. Yeah, and I think unfortunately that a lot of at least in in a place like America, yeah, 
a lot of the people that I assume are frequenting these apps and are really like fixated on it are people that don't even need to be worried. 100%. Yeah. That's like a whole other conversation, I guess. But like, and then you're, and yeah, I don't know. Something about it's like kind of weird. Yeah, no, I agree because I think a lot of neighborhoods in America that that you do have to worry about, it's everyday nature for them. So it's not, they don't worry about it. Exactly. And it's like, yeah, the the wealthier part of America that's just looking at everyone else's squalor and what thinking that they might get shot or they might get stabbed. Well Right. Um, and then and then commenting and yeah. being like, Yeah, the city's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so it's so weird, isn't it, how life is now. Like I I don't know I don't know if you've noticed it from from traveling a lot more with touring and things like that but it was a massive eye-opener for me how and this is massively generalizing but how ungrateful people are for like living where they live and oh yeah they will complain about everything like i'll go back to england and everyone will fucking complain i'm like guys you live in the easiest country in the world like (laughs) If you lose your job, the government will give you money. If you're unwell, if you're going to die, they will save you and they will never charge you. You can go to the doctor for absolute free. You can get your teeth done for like 20 quid. Like groceries are cheap. Yeah, you might have to pay a bit of money on your fucking electricity bill and your petrol bill, but like everything else is easy. Yeah. Like how can you complain? No, I know. It is, I mean, I think tra- I, traveling has for tour has opened my eyes in a lot of ways because it's not that I hadn't traveled before. Mm. I, I used to go to Portugal a lot when yeah. I was a kid in the oh, summers because my mom's from Portugal. Oh, cool. Can you speak Portuguese? Uh, yeah. Sick. I, I can speak Portuguese and Spanish. My dad's Puerto Rican. My mom's oh, no Portuguese. way. That is handy as hell. It is. <laughs> That's so good. Um, but yeah, I used to travel a lot as a kid. And then even before uh, music, when I was doing film and TV, there was a couple years where, or like a few years where I would travel to do media management for uh, like video shoots. Yeah. So... You know, I would be going mostly around America to really pretty places. Mm. It was usually for like fashion things. Yeah. So I'd go to like really gorgeous spots. I remember I went to like Big Sur Mm. for a shoot and I was like, oh, this is beautiful. Um, So I did travel a lot for work, but it was in touring where I started to just go to like kind of main cities or wherever like there were kind of dance music hubs in a Mm city or state and realizing the big thing that I noticed actually in touring was uh the homelessness problem that is pervasive across the entire U.S. wild it's I didn't I didn't know yeah I lived in New York for years and years I I have seen homelessness Mm. I've had family members that 
have been homeless yeah. and we've like helped them get into shelters in New York. And like, I know it's a thing in New York. Mm. I didn't realize it's a thing everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Had it's, no idea. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. It's wild. That's also the other thing for me in England is like, there are homeless people. 100 percent there's homeless people pretty much everywhere you go and that's like even japan japan there is no homeless people have you been to japan really i've never been to japan oh my god it's unbelievable but yeah like i didn't see a single homeless person i don't know what they i don't know yeah what is going on in japan i don't know what they do (laughs) but it's just maybe they i don't know um it's like kind of a perfect culture which is they're like it's amazing but yeah i i may i have never i've been there twice spent like a total of like two weeks there i kind of Mm -hmm. and i didn't see one single homeless person there Fascinating. but like in the uk like homeless homelessness yes it happens but nothing compared to what it is here in america and also the uk government offers so much support for homeless yeah that like you can get like like you know here this I, it kills me so much when you see like a family homeless in in america where you see like kids yeah. on the streets with the it with happens the, all with, the time with the mum or with the dad like in the uk like they'd be given a house straight away damn yeah it just like it, don't get me wrong i'm obviously also generalizing but like, and I'm sure it doesn't happen in certain situations, but like, even if you're, if you're an immigrant coming to England or you're coming from, like, let's say for instance, like what's happening in Ukraine at the moment. Yeah. Like one of my friends, he's a property developer and the government are literally housing like everybody from Ukraine. So like they will councils will then go to like my friend and go, okay, I've got a fat, I've got 10 families. I need 10 houses. Like, what can you do? And then the government will just straight pay for it, which I know other governments do that. Um, If you're like a single mom, like they will pay your house for you. Is like, that's, it's so lucky in the UK. And then like people still complain. But yeah, the homelessness is wild here. So should I move to the UK? <laughs> <laughs> I, that, well, I, I, well, it's actually very simple. Like I was going to say you probably won't like the weather, but like it's actually probably <laughs> like more mild than it is than what you're used to in Philly and New York. Yeah, I mean, I've I've only lived in the Northeast. Yeah, so you're used to it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then that's, you're I'll good. just note that. Yeah, you'll be chilling. It'll be like moving yeah. to Seattle <laughs> with, right. your, with with less homeless people. <laughs> right, right. Apparently, damn. Um, it is, it yeah, is, no. It I is. actually. Go on. I, I am curious about what a move to Europe would be like for me, though. Just in general, I've thought about it a lot. Well, listening to your music in the last half hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> That culturally, it doesn't. This this might sound offensive, and this is not for me being offensive. But it doesn't sound like you're from America by listening to your music. I get that a lot, and that's a compliment more than 
and not if that makes and i'm not saying that it's bad to be from america but like and there's insane producers out here i'm just not of course I've, yeah i've not got my head on the ground all the time if you know what i mean but like what when i listen to your records it reminds me of a european of a very british culture in music mm-hmm. really like i was listening i can't remember which record but it was one of your records and and it just turned into this crazy jungle record it was like super ambient mm-hmm. and then it turned into jungle and i was like this is fucking amazing i was <laughs> like i needed this in my life right now <laughs> yeah uh, no i've definitely it's funny i've never been to the uk really yeah but it makes um, sense growing up in new york because new york is not america in culture it doesn't feel like that yeah. no yeah it's it's definitely it feels different from mm. i would say most cities in america for sure where did all that come from then like the kind of i don't want to talk about influences because it's cliche as fuck but like <laughs> how how did you get to that in your sound like where did that come from like what was around you that was making that happen yeah i mean it it could have something to do with going to Portugal a lot. Yeah. When I was younger, um, my dad was really into freestyle. Oh, cool. So, like, I grew up listening to a lot of freestyle, but I really don't know. Uh, I've always liked dance music. I never knew, like, I didn't start to understand the sort of subgenres within dance music until... I started this project. Yeah. Um, which also I think is why my sound is the way it is because mm. I was never like fixated on genre yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is really interesting to 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 have because so many people are completely the opposite. Yeah. Where it's and I think especially now it's like, why am I? I want to become a D. I want to become the most famous DJ in the world. How do I do that? Or, okay, I like this artist. I'm going to make music like them. Right. Rather than go, I like everything. I'm just going to make a bunch of music and see what comes out of it. Totally. I mean, I don't think, obviously, there's no, like, right or wrong way to approach no, it. not at all. Um, something, sometimes people will DM me and they'll be like, uh whatever, I, I want to start getting into producing. Do you yeah. have any advice? And what I always say is to make a playlist of your absolute favorite songs. Mm-hmm. Don't think about genre. Don't think about when it was made. Don't yeah. think about if it was a producer or a band. Just your favorite, favorite songs. Mm-hmm. And then listen through that playlist and try to find similarities, like sonic similarities within those songs. Is it like a synth that's arpeggiating is it vocal chops is it like is there something happening in all of those songs or a lot of those songs that are similar despite genre or anything and then see if maybe you can take all of those different things that you find and try to put them into whatever you're making Mm. that's really an interesting perspective because i've never I've never done like I've never done that as a exercise but I've in like uh my favorite songs like all genres 
I've done like my favorite songs in like electronic like mm-hmm. world, but like I've not done all like all time favorite songs. Yeah. I mean, I think you'd be surprised to hear similarities across oh, very different genres, you know, even yeah. if it's like the way vocals are processed. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or like the tone or like kind of color of a certain element in a song that is kind of pervasive in that whole playlist or, you know, stuff like that, that when you're first producing, you're not going to be able to necessarily like replicate right away, Mm -hmm. but it helps a lot to start thinking about those things to create like, you know, a sound that is quote unquote yours. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I think I, like, I'm thinking about it myself in my head is like, yeah, it makes complete sense what, why I make the music I make. Really? Yeah. It, it does. Um, what is the music that you listen to for you outside of electronic? <sighs> like you um, mentioned punk. Like I wouldn't expect you as like looking at you and like going, oh, she loves punk. Like I wouldn't expect that. Well, um, to be fair, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like, oh, I love punk. I would feel like a poser if I said that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I'm acquainted enough with what's actually going on in the punk scene. Totally. Um, my one of my best friends is in a punk band in New yeah. York. I love going to her gigs. Yeah. They're so fucking fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love the energy of a punk show because to me it's kind of what I would hope in a really good club setting too. Yeah. You know, where it's just like really high energy. People are just having a blast Mm. and not caring about anything, you know, anything. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, I think it's easier with, uh, with punk music because that culture, like the culture of like, being a punk is about not caring. Yeah, it's like a massive middle finger to the world. Yeah, and I think to me, like, dance music has very much the capability of being that. Oh. Did I lose you? Sorry, internet is not my friend today. Um, You were talking about um the energy of a punk scene um of a punk night and kind of how you wish it could be replicated in a club i mean i think i think in certain instances like depending on the night that energy does get replicated in clubs yeah i've definitely been i've played gigs Mm -hmm. where it felt like a punk show I, i played uh it was in New York and uh, it was A2B2, Night of Fire, mm. and Arca was playing mm. and Kira Kira Benito. And I remember it like the energy when I was playing, it felt like a punk show and yeah. it was sick. Mm. I would love every gig to feel that way. Yeah. Um, just, just like chaotic, yeah, but yeah. in a great way. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, with my DJ sets, I tend to go, I try to take the energy of my productions mm. and the sort of eclectic nature of my productions and then just like ramp it up yeah. for a DJ set. Mm. 
so I feel like I have the flexibility to create that kind of energy if I wanted to. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of if the crowd is receptive to it or not, you know. I yeah, I totally agree. It's one thing for me that I've always said that I wanted to do is I wish I could like properly sing. And I wish I could like play properly play an instrument. Like because I'd love to just be able to go on stage and play the piano and sing. Because I think uh, you, I you control the crowd in a way easier way. You say jump and they say how high. And I think yeah, there's a level of in a DJ set is your at my views on it, and it'd be interesting to see yours. But like, I'm serving the crowd rather than the crowd coming to see me play. Obviously, that people do come and see see both of us play, but it's more so I I have to entertain them without telling them to do things. And I think yeah. that's the difference between like a live show, like even like a punk show is like you have the the energy from that artist, like from the get go. And it's like a conversation between, although it is you and the crowd, it's still very, everything's very personal in like when you're seeing somebody live and they yeah. have a mic and they can sing. It's like, although they're talking to the whole crowd, like you, at, it sounds cliche as fuck, but like, you as the crowd is what uh, like like uh, is one they're like you're all one you all jump together no one jumps out of time in like a, a, a like a big show like a concert like everyone's jumping at the same time everyone's clapping at the same time everyone's just like it's so in sync yeah whereas i think a club show is like so many like little things are going on in a club show right totally and a yeah. lot of the people there aren't always necessarily there to listen to the music. Like, how many of your mates have you dragged along to a show that they don't have a fucking clue who's playing? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. they're just going because they're friends of you and they want to please you and make you have a good night. So they're like, oh, go on then. Megan's taking us to another fucking shit show again. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's always the way. And like other like i feel like live concerts is like people have bought a ticket to go and see that person whereas yeah. i think in club shows it's just slightly different and, but when it when it works in a club show it's the best oh absolutely i think i i agree with you in that djing feels different from a live show because it feels more like entertainment yeah but it, my approach is to kind of like play with that dynamic mm. a little bit. And this is something I've been doing even before I was putting out music and I would do it at my parties yeah. is like, I would try to play deep cuts and like weird shit mm. that could potentially clear the floor depending on okay. the crowd. Yeah, But right before that could happen, I'm going to give you like some nostalgia really quick. Yeah. And I'll, you know, or I'll make like an edit of some like track I loved as a kid yeah. that meshes well with the weird shit. And now I have the heads and the like people who were dragged by the heads all having a good time. Yeah. 
And I feel like that, like that's DJing. That's yeah. the art of DJing is being able to do that. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I think I try to like test the boundaries a lot with my sets. That's cool. I like that. And like sometimes it it doesn't go great, but when it does go well, it's incredible. Yeah, it goes, and it's so worth it. Mm. And like. It is like a delicate balance because you do want to keep getting booked and you want people to have a good time. Well, and you, but yeah, and you also want to, on a business side of things, you also want to gain more fans from that show. No, exactly. Like, you yeah. don't want to like scare people off. But yeah. at the same time, like for me, because this started as just like an art project, yeah. just fun, I'd like to keep it that way and so like i also want to give people an experience yeah. i want people to be like oh i didn't Expect i didn't know that. she was going to do that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know which is um is and i think that goes to show in your music as well from what i've heard of it is like it's really it's actually like a breath of fresh air if i'm honest because i i haven't experienced an album like that for a long time and like i'm we both come from the same kind of growing up in the same era but it's like albums worth were, were a thing if you know what i mean and an album yeah. allows you to be the artist you actually always wanted to be and back then in the, the 90s when you'd have an electronic album it's like you know you're it's an electronic album like these people might be djs these people might be like doing live electronic shows but they can also write a ballad they can also write like a fucking jungle record they can also write a a, like epic trance record and it's okay they're just being who they want to be and it doesn't happen so often now and it's it's really interesting i guess like why was it why did you start doing albums honestly uh the no, first album just straight up lie about it don't tell me the no no <laughs> i had no intention of writing an album okay and then a label dome of doom which i released both my uh albums on emailed me yeah and they were like do you want to write one yeah we'll put it out for you and I was like, okay, when do you need it by? And they're like, whenever you're done. And I was like, okay. That's and then so I did cool. it in a year. So cool. <laughs> what la- and where, that was it. And I've not heard of this label. Who are they? Dome of Doom. They're yeah. they're in LA. Okay. Um, just an indie label. They do like their rosters pretty eclectic. They yeah. do a lot of like bass, even like hip hop. They, cool. They're, I feel like they're sort of known for albums that get put on cassette tapes Mm -hmm. yeah um which is fun yeah but yeah they're it was fun working with dome of doom because i they are very hands-off in a way that i like yeah where they're just like let us know when you're done yeah like sounds good Mm. anything you want just let us know we'll try to make it happen i think for it being my first couple albums, I, I needed that so that I could 
deliver something that felt uniquely mine yeah. and I wasn't trying really hard to be part of a specific sound or yeah. label or roster um I think it it was definitely a slower burn to mm. work with smaller label like that for two albums like but it f- has felt really organic and everything up until now has felt earned and I felt prepared mm. for it mm. because of that if that makes sense yeah do you think in any way it held you back? I don't think so. Not for what my goals are. What are your because goals? I don't I I want to be the producer's producer. I want to be like a fortet. I yeah. want to like do something different. that people can't quite classify yeah and somehow make it sustain an entire career and i also want to do i sort of want to be like like an opn i want to do scores like Mm. weird electronic scores and um yeah yeah and it all makes sense because you are doing it at the end of the day like you are and i think it's like it's super nice to talk to somebody that knows exactly what they want. And obviously that, that can change over the years. Oh, totally. I mean. like, yeah. I'm sure it's changed from when you first released the first album to what it is now. And like your, your goals always change, but like, it's really nice to it. And I get this from your socials. I get it from just the vibe is like, it's not about like trying to make bangers and worrying about, streams and worrying about everything that's involved with the business side of it although i'm sure you do to a certain extent there's definitely levels of that you you have to yeah get away from Mm -hmm. but it doesn't happen i don't come across it as often and i think it's just really important to be able to do that because it's it is it sounds cliche as fuck but it's like it is about just making fucking great music it is. And like it, you can't ignore the business side. It's a hundred percent part of it. Um, I still look at streams. Of course, of course I care about numbers, yeah. you know, cause it's gonna, that's how I will keep getting booked. It's how we get judged. <laughs> it's it's, how, we and get it's judged. how we get judged. Totally. But like, but yes, like I am going to, post about my Spotify wrapped numbers and make sure it's with a photo of me on the toilet. So people know how I feel. I saw that earlier. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it's clear that I don't think it's everything and I wish it wasn't so important. Um, But like it is. And I, I feel like over the years I've gotten much better at trying to be business minded while still not, or trying my best not to dilute what I'm doing with the creative side. But that's also why I have, you know, like a manager and agents. Yeah, so they can do that. They can, they can deal with that. It's so, and, it's so interesting. Cause like you and I are like, like, I think we both can relate on the music side of things, but I feel like you're very like relaxed about tell me and tell me if I'm wrong. I, I'm just massive. This is what I'm kind of getting a vibe, but you're like very relaxed on the business side of things where I stress so much about it. 
Oh, I stress 100%. Oh, okay, I stress. Cool. Good. Okay. I'm trying to play cool right now. Yeah, don't play cool. <laughs> <laughs> so no, cool. I 100% stress, you yeah. know. I have to remind myself, like, the thing that I'm actually really fortunate to have is that I do have a safety net. Yeah. I had a career before this. Yeah. You know, like, and not, there are a lot of musicians that I know that are full-time musicians that I've spoken to that, like, that is the big fear. And I feel like a lot of decisions get made out of desperation. Yep. 100%. A lot of creative decisions get made out of desperation to make sure that they can sustain that music career. Yeah. I feel fortunate enough that I know, like, if I stop making money with music, I'm just going to go back to doing my film and TV stuff. Yeah. And I can still keep doing what I love Mm -hmm. and not worry about the business side. Do I want to do that? No, because it was fucking boring. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. So, of course, I I worry about the business side, too. And I get really stressed out. And then I have to, like, remind myself, like, okay, I've worked really hard in my life. Yeah. To be able to have options for myself. Um, But it's all about being strategic. I mean, why did I move to Philly? So that I I could pay less rent so that I could keep doing music full time. Totally. You know? Yeah. You just have to, like, think of stuff like that. I think it's also about removing the ego from oh, yeah. from it, which like so hard. It's so hard, right? It's really hard to kind of take that out of it because I I have nothing else outside of music, really. Like I worked, I worked for my parents, and I was a lifeguard at some point in my career, and I worked in a fish and chip shop. Like I, I have nothing else. I didn't go to school. I didn't, I didn't do anything. So it's like, for me, it's like, do I either want to go work for my parents again? And they, they work, they own a drug and alcohol rehab. So do I want to literally do completely the opposite to what I do now? It's like (laughs) literally the opposite. It's literally (laughs) the opposite. Um, So it's like, yeah, and the ego is like, it's it can get you. Oh, totally. Even, you. I mean, even me moving to Philly, I yeah. had to grapple with ego. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? I'm a New York-based artist. Yeah. I'm going to, people are going to ask me if I'm I'm still based out of Brooklyn. I'm going to have to say no. I think it sounds cool to be based out from Philly, though. I think so, too. I think it's but... way cooler now. <laughs> I a hundred percent agree. I a hundred percent agree. Because it doesn't happen. I, I won't lie. Yeah. It no. To, Josh, but the Josh thing Wink? is too. Josh Wink from Philly. Is he? I don't know. Maybe did I just make that up? Sorry, carry on. I know. Carry. Well, no. I was gonna say there are a lot of musicians here. That I know. Tierra Wack lives here. Really? There's another musician, Body Meat, lives here. Like, there's some really cool stuff here. Yeah, Josh Wink's from Philly. Okay, yeah. I mean, my the mastering engineer that I've been working with since I released my first EP lives in Philly. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Do you ever go Ryan in? Schwab. I well, no, and now I can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I'm so stoked about that. And um, but the thing is, like, last couple of gigs I played, people be like, "Oh, you're still in Brooklyn?" I'm like, "No, I just moved to Philly." They're like, "Why?" Yeah. 
It's to judge from everybody else, right? Yeah. But it's ego. You have to just get rid of that shit. How do you get rid of it? It's a lot of like telling myself, you don't care. You don't care. Yeah, yeah. Until I believe it. That almost like fake it till you make it. Although I don't like you that have to yeah. sometimes, yeah. but you have to with with ego stuff for me, I have to. I'm I'm constantly thinking about how I'm being perceived. Yeah. Constantly. How sometimes is, how is that as a girl as well? Oh, well, there's a whole other level of it. Because yeah. you're not only thinking about like whether you're cool or relevant enough, you're also thinking about are you respected enough? Yeah. Yeah, Do people I, believe you're making your shit? Oh, yeah. That's the rough one. That is a rough one. It is what it is, though. Like, and so I think about it all the time. I'll, to the point where it's like, I'll make conscious decisions about social media posts. Yeah. Because I don't want to give people the wrong idea. Like, mm. I, it's, I'm trying to think of like a concrete example. Like, it really frustrates me that it really frustrates me that, like, we are in a scene where 85% of the most successful people, whether it's male or female, don't write their own music. Yeah. And that, and people don't realize that. No. And, and so, yeah. From I, I'm trying to normalize it that like, it's okay if you don't write your own music, if that's what you decide, like if you want to become part of the music industry and you're creative and you have all these amazing ideas just because you don't push the buttons it's absolutely fine if you don't make it some of the biggest artists in in the world that everybody listens to this has probably gone and seen do not make their own music or they mm-hmm. they don't engineer their own music they're not sat in right. front of the computer making it themselves neither does beyonce and that's the thing, like, it. there are people that get to a certain point, they literally don't even have the time to do it if they wanted to, because they're, tor- like, they're touring so much. Which is a really weird concept for me. And I, I wanna, know. I want to get your vibe on this. When you become, like, the biggest artist in the world, all right, you're still going to write your music. Yeah, because that's the whole fucking point. Exactly. That is what is, that is the best part of this entire thing. Yeah. That's why you did it for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, and this is the thing is like, there's certain people that don't need to write their own music. Like let's say Tiesto, like I know Tiesto doesn't technically write his own music. Like I know he's in the studio a lot and I know he like, he has a writing partner and et cetera, et cetera. Like I, this is not me shitting on Tiesto. I think he's, a god realistically of what he's achieved in this industry but like i don't know where i was going with this yeah he doesn't he's touring so much that he doesn't like how can you be in the studio if you're touring four days a week and also have a family and have a life outside of that as well and kind of be reasonably normal if you know what i mean you can't you physically can't no, you can't. And then you need to go write a single that has to perform. Like, it's just not, it's impossible. And it's impossible to me that 
people are naive enough to think that these people are doing all of it themselves. Like, I, well, which exactly. I'm, go on. The fact that so so that is the issue is that your average person thinks someone like Tiesto must write their own music. Yeah. Otherwise, why would they be Tiesto? Yeah. And then, but, and then they create this idea in their head that that is like the standard. And then for some reason, think that, you know, these up and coming, it's specifically with women too, like it these up and coming women, women. It is with women. Yeah. Must have ghostwriters. And like, sure, there, there might be some that do. Because at the end of the day, there's two parts to this job. There's the, it's, if you're a producer, there's the writing part and the performing part. Yeah. The producing part and the performing part. And those are actually different jobs. Yeah, yeah. And some people might be better at one thing or the other. Mm-hmm. And you're really lucky if you're really good at both. Yeah. So like, and the thing is, is like the way that dance, cult, like dance music culture in America at least is, where it's such a spectacle, some people will go just for that performance aspect. Totally. You know? And so like, you need something to back that up. And that person might be a great performer and just is not great in the studio yet. Or maybe mm. they don't care if they are. I think most, I think, I think that you hit the nail on the head is that it's actually not, the songs aren't actually the ones that actually sell the tickets in a lot of sense. And like, it's, how does their social media look? What do they look like? Like, 100%. Who do they, who do they relate to? Who who are they? Like, what culture are they part of? If you know what I mean, like, who are yeah, they? Yeah, rep- what's their demographic? Who are yeah. they representing? And it's like, yes, the record. You need to write records in this industry. You're in the music industry. You like, you need to release records. But like, some of the biggest artists in the world don't, and still sell thousands and thousands and thousands of tickets every weekend, male and female. And, totally, and I think it, the thing that I struggle with is why I don't actually think it's that many people give a fuck. I think it's actually just it's like the internet. It's just it's just the vocal bit. It's just the vocal fuckers that just like yeah, like I'm pretty good friends with Vanessa, although we talk so much shit online to each other. Everything's we hate <laughs> yeah. each other, but like I'm pretty good friends with her, and she like she sends me like messages of like what people send her and i'm like i would never in a million years even want to say that to somebody that i i knew let alone didn't know like i wouldn't even say it to vanessa and i say some awful shit to her (laughs) (laughs) like and like so i i I, there's a producer called clarity who she girl called claire from from dallas she's a wicked producer and like still really new in the scene, she'd remixed one of my singles and like some of the stuff people say to her. And I'm like, how can you be so fucking evil to pe- like, yeah, you don't even know this girl. Like. I It just amazes me how how people can be like that. And I, I don't understand it. I do understand it. I, I understand why people my I think people, especially men, don't like to be inferior to women or they don't want to see a a woman be more talented than them and achieve more than them in life 
Yeah, it's it's a it, it's coming from a really bitter place. Really, I think. yeah, and it's dark. It's yeah. a, it's actually a really dark thing. Like putting people down on the internet to make yourself feel better. It's just not mm-hmm. it's not a vibe. But no, it's weird. It's not. <laughs> I I I very it hasn't happened to me that often. I was gonna say it doesn't happen to me very often either. That's good. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm, happy. I'm really fortunate for that and i i can't i have no idea why i have an idea why because you're just being authentically you maybe maybe that's it maybe but also again i am dance music's best kept secret so maybe once i'm no longer a secret (laughs) (laughs) when you're famous Give it a couple years and give it, yeah, give it and some more hours. Then the haters and... will come rushing in. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, hopefully not. I Well, fuck it. If, you're, if you've got a bunch of haters, it means you're doing well. Right. So That's I'm just thing. not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Like, obviously, it's an issue with women. I, I can't say that I've had it really bad but again i am really conscious Mm. of the way i'm perceived yeah and i make a huge effort it's something i'm really thoughtful about with how i present myself online yeah and the way that i try to be open about my process so that people can't make those assumptions about me yeah um because i more than anything, and I felt this way when I worked in film, yeah. I feel this way in music, like it's about me expressing myself and making my art. But I think what I find part of success in my eyes is getting is getting respect and recognition from people you respect and admire. 100%. And so... I am just hyper aware of that mm. to a, sometimes it can feel unhealthy. Yeah. I can honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, but it, it's, I, you know, carry on. No, no. Go yeah. Ahead. <laughs> I, I think, I think it can, it can, it can become very like, like what's the word? It, it homes you It when, for me, when I think about, what does everyone else think about it like artist wise it's like fuck should i post that should i release this record should i do this should i do that and it it does it used to really like limit me massively yeah but i think it just for me then i just kind of take the ego out of it and go these people don't give a fuck about me and I don't really give a fuck about them. <laughs> exactly. So why the fuck am I even like thinking about it? Because it, it just is an ex- it's, it's actually from it to a certain extent, it's an excuse not to do it. It's yeah. an excuse to like, oh, I didn't put that out because it wasn't going to fit this sound and nobody would have liked it. It's just an excuse for me to like actually not fail and use everybody else's excuses to fail rather than, or use everybody else exactly. as the excuse to fail. It can um, be self-sabotage, really. 100%. Um, you you have to just put yourself out there. If you believe in what you're making, you can't 
let those thoughts hold you back. I think the only time you should really let those kinds of thoughts infiltrate your decision-making is when you were pushed to do something for a reason outside of like just wanting to do it. In what sense? Give me an example. So if you feel like you needed to take on a certain look, whether it's like a gig or working with a certain label or something, if you felt you needed to do that to succeed and it wasn't necessarily something that you would have gone out of your way to do on your own, like it wasn't, if it feels a little bit inauthentic to you as an artist, but you know, it's going to get you where you need to be or where you want to be. That's the only time where I think it makes sense to maybe like step back and be like, "Mm." yeah, I guess in to counter that, is there a time in your career where you have to step out of the comfort zone that feels authentic to you to hundred percent to push yourself in whatever way needs to go and not on not talking about business but like i'm in that situation massively now like with my careers that like i've got to a certain level and this is kind of the first time i'm really talking about it but like i've got to a certain level and i can sustain where i'm at by just doing what i'm doing but if I ask myself in five years time or even two years time, do I want to still be doing what I'm doing? Just sustaining here. Like I don't write hits. If you know what I mean? I'm not that I'm not Chris Lake. If you know what I mean? I'm not those, those cats that they can just bosh out a hit in the studio. And like, it does really well every time they release it. So it's like, what do I have to do that doesn't feel necessarily authentic because authenticity to me is like also what everyone else perceives me as so it's like what is everyone else used to me doing it's like okay they're used to just me putting out bangers like for the last eight years Mm -hmm. but what do i need to do to then change everyone else's perception of me and and grow what I've got into something that I know in 10 years time, I'm going to be like, that was the best decision of my life. I a hundred percent. This last year was, is that for me? Yeah. What was, um, what, 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 what was it? What was the process? What did you, what, like when, what was the realization that you had to do that? Like, what were you, where were you at in your career? Where you're like, I have to make a step. It doesn't feel comfortable, but I have to make a step. I had an agent and then I was approached by UTA. Marissa? Marissa and Adam. Yeah. Um, And I was really hesitant to go with UTA. They know that. We had lunch and I explained that to them. Yeah. I was, because I was so scared. Yeah that it would change people's perception of me. I wanted to be the cool underground producer. Yeah. And I knew that I would end up on these bigger festivals with more sort of EDM acts and the associations would change. Yeah. And people might think I'm doing one thing when really I'm doing something else. And I didn't want to be the smallest artist on a huge roster and have the 
agents think of me at the end of the day, if that, yeah. like, I was really nervous that um, I, it would be the wrong choice, like mm. the wrong decision. Yeah. But I had to kind of like, it was one of those things where I was like, I think there will be some growing pains. Yeah. And I might need to do some like strategic mm. kind of things to make sure the perception stays how I want it to. Yeah. But I know that UTA is going to help me get to a sustainable place faster. Yeah. And that's, and literally it's, I was right yeah. in that assumption. Yeah, yeah. And I've, you know, I've been able to do this full time because of my agents mm -hmm. and certain gigs that I've been able to get. Yeah. And sometimes the gigs, I'm like, I don't know if this makes perfect sense. Yeah. But I know that I need to grow my audience. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, if they're at the gig, if they're at my set, they'll figure out what actually is going mm -hmm. on with me yeah. and they can decide to be, be a fan or not. Yeah. It's just like getting me in front of more people, basically. I agree. There's like a level, especially nowadays, where it's like you just have to get people there. You just have to get people mm -hmm. to hear you. And I go in with that attitude with a lot of shows even if like you're playing in your hometown or whatever it is like, it's like I'm going in to this show expecting that nobody knows who I am yeah, or like 5% of people know who I am because everybody else has just brought their mates and dragged them along. Like, mm -hmm. and, and now I have to win them over and that's the only way you get fans really. Like mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, know if you gain fans from the spotify algorithm or the apple algorithm because i think it's not just a lot no i don't think people no. listen to music like they used to in that sense whereas like you would you'd buy a cd and just listen to the cd for fucking months upon months yeah um, it's very different but yeah how how do you feel about from where you're at then to now What's your, like, what's your feelings on that? I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this the other day. Um, I just released a new single for an EP that's coming out next month. Mm. And I was kind of, and I'm sure you relate to this. It was like the come down of like the rush of a release. Yeah. And it's like, ugh people like the song. This is so exciting. It's got some good like playlisting and people like producers I really admire, are, like hitting me up that yeah. they like it. This is so cool. And then I'm like, okay, well what's next? Like, okay. Like, yeah. So what's next? Like yeah. I need something else now. And, um, I was talking to my friend about it and he was like, just think about like where you were even a year ago. Yeah you're fine. Relax. <laughs> like It's like a really unhealthy balance that, yeah. that I say you, like, I mean, like I can relate to you and I think most of our peers can relate to you. Um, and I was literally talking to one of my best mates about it last night on the phone for ages. And it's like, yes, your friend has a very fair point. Like, we're chill 
Like my mum even said, my mum ne- has never said it to me, but like I was talking to her when around Christmas time and she was like, Will, just like look back at like where you were like 10 years ago and like where you wanted to be and look where you're at now. Would you ever have thought you'd be earning that much money for a show? Like, no. Yeah. But in argue to that, we can't look back. No. Because everybody else is looking forward and everybody else is trying to take your spot on the lineup. Every Like, I, I'm a huge believer in it's taken me a long time to get to this in my career, that there's space for everybody in this mm-hmm. in this industry and i want people i want everybody to be successful like that's that's purely my thing maybe there's some people that i feel like shouldn't be because they're <laughs> shit bags but that's yeah. just life um but i want everyone to be successful but like we also have to look forward we have to we have to be selfish like like i have to eat before so everybody else can eat and that's the way I look at it is like I'm I'm not looking at this just as me I'm looking at this as a team and it's like yes my agents have way bigger artists than me but I want to be the biggest artist on their roster and so mm-hmm. it's like and I want to be able to buy them a house I want to be able to like get them to a point where they can do that I want my manager to have a, a life so that his family can have an amazing life like that's that's and that's the driving thing for me as well. It's like, I, the reason why the next is, is because there's other people relying on me. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that I, that keeps it driving and kind of takes the, like the selfishness out of it. It's like, well, I'm also doing it for other people, but maybe, totally. maybe that's just an excuse. <laughs> I mean, I, but I think it's, I think it's a huge part of it, yeah. especially it's like when you get to a certain point where you do have a team mm. and it's growing, it does really shift your priorities a little bit, especially for me. Like if I didn't have, you know, my manager, I have a tour manager now, my agents, like I just release when I want to release, just like they're pushing me to make this a sustainable thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I also, I don't know if it's because how I was in school, like I was a total just like kiss ass. Like I love. I would not doing a good job. Oh, I was such a kiss ass. I love doing a good job. I love that. I love impressing people. Yeah. I love hitting a deadline and like just, giving it my all and people being like, you did good. I love that feeling. Yeah. It's a great feeling. And so, you know, I feel like my, with my team now, I have people to impress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it kind of keeps me thinking about momentum in a way that I wouldn't, if I was just doing it completely on my own. Are your team honest with you? I know my manager is. Yeah. I know my tour manager is. Cool. Like my management team, they'll be like, this sucks. Yeah, that's good. Or they'll be like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't necessarily listen every time. Yeah. But it's nice to know, like, if I need an honest opinion, I can get it. And yeah, yeah. honestly, even my closest friends are usually people that 
we'll be like, mm, shh. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like I, I like having people who, um, I know it's like cliche, like people who challenge me, but I, I really like my best friends are the kind of people that can tell me to chill out you and like that. shut up. Yeah. You need that. <laughs> like it's yeah. so important. It's so yeah. important to have a handful of people that would just like, I think it's also, it's like for me, a lot of my closest friends, I've got like a couple of very close friends in music, but also I, most of my close friends are outside of music and yeah, realistically like don't give a fuck, which is great. Exactly. Cause it's like, you can, or I can go to, I can go have dinner with them and I don't want to talk about music. Yeah. Like I don't want to talk about, I don't, I don't want to talk about anything about my career. Like let's, cause we spend so much time thinking about it and talking about it. Like we've just spent nearly an hour and a half talking about it. And it's yeah. like, and now you're going to go in and probably make some music and then think about it more <laughs> yeah. and then talk to your managers. And I've got a label meeting in a bit and another four podcasts. So it's like, it's, it's a 24 seven job. So I think being able to escape from that is, is really nice, which I also sometimes really envy people that work like a nine to five job that can switch off. I mean, that was like a few years of my life yeah. working in film. I had my day job and then I would work on music on the weekends or at night. Mm. I'd throw parties, I'd DJ. Mm. And it was really nice to have that um, like financial freedom to yeah. do that. But it's also... But the grass is always greener because then always. I'd be sitting at my desk for 10 hours a day and I'd be like, man, I could be producing music right now. 100%. 100%. I say this all the so, time. I say this all the time to my mates. Like, we don't have to fucking work. <laughs> like, I treat it like work for me. Like, I, I do probably work more than what I would work in an office. But, like, right. I if I want if I want a day off... I just not go into the studio. It's it's fine. Exactly. Like we're yeah. lucky that we we can do that, and and yeah, we have the best job in the world. It's amazing. It's true. It is. It's it's really nice. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing. Um, Megan, let's wrap this up. I want to talk to you more in future. I want to go into more depths of album, actual album writing and processes of album. But I think if we went into that now, people are just going to be like, oh my God, this podcast is going to go on forever. <laughs> um, so are you doing another album? Is that the plan? I, I am working on a third album, yeah. Amazing. So when third album's out, can you come and talk about it? I would love to. Cool. I think this year is going to be a lot of singles and EPs. Yeah. Wicked. And then the third album will be on the back burner. Amazing. Well, yeah. let's do it for next year. Um, yeah. But keep in touch. Thank you so much for coming on. How can people follow you? Uh, I mean, just look up Quarter, Q-R-T-R, and then follow on your platform of choice. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much, mate. Keep safe. And hopefully... Thank I you will... so much. No, it's been, it's been really nice. I've really enjoyed it. Um, keep it up and I will see you very soon. Sounds good. Thank you for having Peace. me. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for Quarter for coming on. Um, 
thank you again for everybody. 150 episodes is a wild milestone for this podcast. So thank you so much. Um, Keep safe. See you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.